Hello, and welcome to The Heart of It, the podcast that gets to the heart of what we do and why we do it. I'm your host, writer and author Kate Sevilla, and each week I'll be taking a closer look at the working lives of passionate and creative people. This week, our guest is Louisa Maycock, the founder of the t-shirt company Girls on Tops, which celebrates women in film. Now, even if you've never heard the name Girls on Tops before, you'll probably have come across their crisp white t-shirts emblazoned with the names of iconic women in film, such as Emma Thompson, Ava DuVernay, and Lulu Wang. I talk with Louisa about the realities of running a business when numbers aren't exactly your thing, the process of getting comfortable with unexpectedly becoming an entrepreneur, as well as the magic and genius of Greta Gerwig. Plus, of course, we discuss what's ultimately at the heart of her work. Louisa Maycock, welcome to the Heart of It podcast. How are you? I am very well, thank you, Kate. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course, I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, I, as you can see, well, our, our listeners can't see, but I'm wearing my my Carrie Fisher uh, shirt, which was the first one that I purchased. I'm a big fan of Girls on Tops. I am. I'm not wearing Girls on Tops t-shirt. <laughs> Do you think people expect you anytime they talk to you? They're like, "Well, you're not wearing a shirt." I have to pretend I'm like Superman. I'm always wearing it underneath. It's your second skin. Yeah. So I'm, I'm always curious about people's job titles and how they describe what they do, especially when they don't do like a very obvious, like I'm the operations manager at this company. How do you describe what it is that you do? Because I'm sure that if you just said like, I make t-shirts, people would be like, hmm, okay. Well, if I say I make t-shirts, then they expect that I actually, you know, weave them myself <laughs> so no, I you don't no, no I, I tend to just call myself I mean I've never really referred to myself as anything I put in director but then people think yeah. I, I direct films again I oh, do not yeah. <laughs> so you know just day to day I just call myself the queen so <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect that's perfect I am the queen of my own domain if you have any further questions I can send you the url to my website <laughs> Um, it looks like this was your first job out of university. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. Straight oh out of it. Wow. I, could, I couldn't get a job. I was sending off applications and I was not getting any bites. So yeah. What did you study? I studied English literature at undergrad level with creative writing. And then I did a master's in contemporary arts. And what did you think you were going to end up doing? I thought I would maybe end up working in publishing marketing roles but yeah no one even wanted to <laughs> they didn't they didn't no. want it but you know what I think so often when you get that many rejections or things like that just aren't working out clearly you were meant to be doing something else you had a wonderful interview that you did with Marie Claire magazine and in it there's this quote from you where you say there was never an agenda to turn it into a business. I'm so bad with numbers and I'm not a business-minded person. Um, I really appreciate that because so often I think that there's this myth around people, especially young people who run businesses, that they are just like mavericks and they love numbers and they love business and they're this like very particular kind of entrepreneur. When in reality, there are a lot of people that, that I've spoken to where they've kind of stumbled into it or they found that they were good at something and then were like, 
right, well, I guess this is a thing. So maybe I should be doing this now. <laughs> How do you feel about numbers now? Is this is this still something that you're like, nah, I don't like it? I find the numbers just to be surprising at all times. <laughs> I can't, I can look at a page of numbers and it, they almost dance around the page. I mean, I needed some intense extra tuition to even get a C at GCSE. And me too. I barely graduated high school. And it's not even just not understanding. It's almost panic sets in when yes. I have to look at anything to do with numbers. So luckily I have an account, I have an accountant, which means I don't yeah, really. Yeah, they're great, right? I just have to present the stuff to them and they can do the rest and then I continue to not understand but then think well obviously it's correct because they're the accountant. Yeah that is that is the hard part about working for yourself and or running a business. I think if you're good at admin and you keep all the paperwork and you keep track of all the things that you're supposed to keep track of even if you don't maybe necessarily fully understand the numbers you can pay someone who does. <laughs> exactly and I am very naive still even like three years into this about how the sort of business side works and uh, we were doing the company tax return this year and um, my accountant asked me for a receipt for some office furniture and I could not find this receipt and I had yeah. blind panic I was like oh my god I'm gonna get the tax man knocking <laughs> on my door I emailed the accountant really late at night like I cannot find this receipt what's gonna happen and he didn't even reply so I <laughs> He's just like, fine, I was just trying to save you some money. Yeah, fine. yeah. so um, <laughs> it's very much many slightly fraught emails to people who must think, oh my God, I can't believe she can function. <laughs> no, but I think, I, th I think that's a really interesting point because when it comes to, again, like running a business, I think no one likes to talk about this side of it. No one likes to talk about the fact that actually it's really scary and HMRC is like really scary. And finding the right accountant or knowing what thing you're supposed to do or what receipts you're supposed to save versus which ones you're not and for how long, like that is really daunting. Mm -hmm. um, how do you feel about thinking of yourself as, as a business owner? Has that become something that you're more comfortable with or is it something that you that maybe still doesn't feel quite you? Some days I feel very comfortable and confident in my position. And the thing is, naturally, I'm not a very confident person. I wasn't born with this inner confidence. It's something I have to really work on. And I've been working on, you know, owning the fact that I run a business and it is just me and I am doing it and I do it every day. But there are some days where I'm just a mess of tangled imposter syndrome and overwhelm. But I would say the days of just getting on with it and owning my career and what I'm doing is they're probably more than the days where I'm just chasing my tail and not knowing how anyone does anything or how I do anything. Having, I think what you said about having more days where you feel confident and comfortable with it than the days that you don't. I think that means you're on the right track, doesn't it? Definitely. Um, but you've just reminded me of something that I was actually saying to our producer, Hannah, yesterday um, when we were recording some stuff. And I was like, oh, I, is, it, is this right? Do I need to put this in a different format? Because I, one of my own hangups, I feel like there's always been a right way of doing something. There is this secret correct way that everyone else that has more training than I do or went to university because I didn't go to university, they must all know these proper posh people 
the correct way of doing something, no matter what it is. And I wonder if that's maybe something that you think too, if there's a correct way that you should be running your business that you maybe just don't know. I definitely feel like most people are making it up as they go along. And that's something I have to remind myself. And yeah, sometimes it feels like, is there a level I need to unlock in my brain that will allow me to just sail a bit easier through stuff? Yeah. And be able to speak more confidently and louder and own stuff more. But also I, I think it's not everyone is, you know, a girl boss. Right. And I think we absolutely need more business owners and people who do interesting things like you, who are open about the fact that it's it's hard. And entrepreneurs don't just look and behave a certain way, but equally like workers have different personalities. We approach our work different and not everyone is alpha. Not everyone is super loud and aggressive um, or super confident. Yeah, I don't put myself out as the face of girls on tops at all. No, you don't. Because that's not something I would feel comfortable with. Like the idea of going into a room and trying to sell the business as part of myself is not something I would ever feel comfortable doing or want to do. I think my idea of a, you know, a girl boss or an entrepreneur is something that I have this set idea of, you know, someone who wears a suit and goes in and can present in front of a board of people. And because I could not do that, I I do think sometimes I just think my job doesn't really exist. And I'm just sort of floating out in a grey abstract space where it all exists just on Gmail. Especially this year, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, you bring up a really interesting point, though, and that's actually something I wanted to kind of ask you about later, but I'm just going to ask you about it now. I've spoken to so many like influencers about how they found that they were good at something, and then that became their career, that became a way of making money, and then they got kind of boxed in to, well, I can only talk about Um, shoes, or I can only talk about a certain kind of makeup, because that's the thing that started to pay my bills. And I and social media doesn't really allow for um, evolution or change anyway. But what you just said about your business not being you, I think actually that that is really smart. And it might be harder to do in this kind of day and age of you are the brand, right? But I think having those split means that you're not so ingrained and your identity perhaps isn't as ingrained in in Girls on Tops. Mm. Is that right? (laughs) I honestly think if I was the face of the brand, maybe people wouldn't like it. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's my own massive insecurities shining through. But I don't have any sort of drive to want that or to, yeah, be recognized in any kind of way as, as Girls on Tops other than you know, to my customers when I'm replying to them about t-shirts. Yeah, this feeds quite nicely into one of the questions that I had for you actually about, so you have a blog or like an online magazine associated with with Girls on Tops called Read Me. And I read about the fact that that was kind of part of, you wanted to help support women and non-binary individuals um, who were interested in, in film writing and writing about film. And then also that you help fund film projects from women and and non-binary filmmakers. There's this really complicated relationship, I think, between um, feminism 
and capitalism when it comes to to running a business. And I think that there's something there with you, I think quite rightly, making it not about you, because it's about the filmmakers, it's about aspiring filmmakers, and about something kind of bigger than yourself. Is is that something that you've maybe struggled with or or found difficult, this kind of like capitalism and feminism kind of always at odds with each other? Oh, definitely. It's definitely something that I have quite regular sort of reckonings with. Because it was never meant to be a business. I never had aspirations to be a business owner or, you know, I always imagined I'd work within a team of people and be below someone who tells me what to do. So as soon as the t-shirt started selling and making enough money to not only cover the production costs, but a bit more, I thought, I can't just pocket this. That's not right. And that goes against the whole ethos of this brand that seems to have sprouted out of somewhere. Um, <laughs> so it, it was a way of just, yeah, putting, it, it makes me feel like I am part of a bigger community. It felt, it just felt right as soon as I could offer money to other sources outgoing rather than it just coming straight into my pocket. Obviously you have to get paid and it is my full-time job and I have to be able to pay my rent and my bills. But then, yeah, it has to be, it has to be doing something and creating something rather than just t-shirts being bought. I think that's what drives me to carry it on and to see it. Because I ideally wonder, I'd love to be able to fund more filmmaking, but obviously that's quite a, films need lots of money. And so much money. That's a lot of t-shirts. It's <laughs> a lot of t-shirts. Um, with this whole feminist thing, I, th- I think we maybe even had a, a quick discussion about this, you and I, on, on our, in our Instagram DMs, because there are so many feminist businesses quote unquote, on Instagram, and even t-shirt companies. And I find it really interesting that so many of these companies don't say where their t-shirts are printed, they don't say where they're made, what quality t-shirt they are, kind of the carbon footprint around it, etc. And I feel like I've watched quite a few of these companies kind of crash and burn, and um, some get quite heavily canceled. Is this something like another, it's like another aspect of having a company that um, focuses on on women and trying to make a, an industry and a business more, more inclusive. Um, is this something that you have to kind of consider or think about? Or are you just kind of like, well, I can't control that. Who knows? I think the stuff that I can control in terms of, you know, making sure the t-shirts are from an ethical source, from a carbon neutral factory and, you know, f- fair wages for the workers. I just, from right at the beginning, I thought I can't have this message of supporting women in the film industry and then offer a shitty polyester t-shirt that's made in a sweatshop by children. Yeah. Like yeah. It completely cancels out any positivity that the brand could be pushing. Mm-hmm. So that was a no-brainer in terms of making sure the t-shirts were as, you know, as ethically sound. Yeah, I just, I wouldn't be able to put it out there unless it was everything was thought out and everything was considered. 
Yeah. And they're very soft as well. They're so comfortable. I'm wearing mine right now and I can attest. <laughs> and I've had this for a couple of years and it's still in really good shape. Like yeah. I was going to say, this is the first time I've ironed a shirt in a really long time, but I don't well, want to brag you. too much because I've not done a very good job. But um, no, they're, they're very good quality t-shirts, most definitely. And it's it's fascinating to me, the amount of people who don't or like even consider it when they're like, yeah, we're going to get some some T-shirts printed um, and have like this feminist message. And then they're like, we just didn't know that they were being printed in this terrible factory somewhere, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't dunk on other, on other companies, but I definitely, I see them. I see what they're doing. And I think. Lisa knows. Yeah, I know. She sees you. I, I remember. You're like Santa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. On the naughty list. Yes. But when we started sourcing a particular t-shirt to be the ones that we used to print on, it wasn't necessarily the norm. Um, so the printers I work with, they're, a, they're an independent company up in Nottingham. And I like to think that we were sort of ahead of the curve because now when I need to do a restock, it's quite hard to get hold of the stock right. from um, the manufacturers because everyone wants this particular kind of ethically sourced um, organic cotton t-shirt so which is great I think because it shows that people are becoming more thoughtful and conscious yeah. of these things but it makes my life more difficult because I can't just say I need 150 of these without there being a backlog of other people yes. ordering them yeah yes you'll say yeah. that's great for the planet and consumers it's sad if you're trying to get shit done quickly <laughs> exactly exactly which is again that kind of conundrum with with trying to do things ethically but also fast but then can you do that it's it's hard but I think that you're doing a a, a wonderful job of trying to balance all of that and it's it's difficult it's difficult and not every it's not perfect right it, it can't be perfect um and I think particularly small businesses who are just trying to do the best that they can the responsibility to fix the planet shouldn't necessarily be on on your shoulders it should be on some of the the much much bigger companies who can uh, make an even bigger impact i won't say their names here but we all know we know well, them we know them yeah. louisa knows i, I know <laughs> you're on the list <laughs> you're on the list guys um so I wanted to ask you some really practical questions just because I, I love these t-shirts so much and I just want to know like everything about it. Um, tell me about the process of like, how do you decide who goes on your next shirt? And then, then do you like call them and be like, like Laura Dern's people and be like, Hey, um, so we're putting Laura on the shirt. Like, how does that all work? Well, at the very beginning, before it was a brand, we just decided to put the names of these women on t-shirts because we're yeah. like we're not going to sell these there's no like no biggie we'll just do it so we just wrote down our favorite you know women in film so that was all the big names already so like the Laura Dern the Greta Gerwig was there already but then I can't remember when it got to the point where I was like oh I probably should be trying to get in touch with representatives of these people to make sure they're okay about it with it because hmm. usually if they're not Madonna and they're not trademarked yeah. <laughs> um it's it's fine and they're happy because the ethos of the company is nice and it's um yes yeah but now it's more of a more of a lengthy process and I'll have maybe PR companies coming to me who are working on certain films 
or I will think, oh, I loved this director's last film and I know she's got another one coming out. So I'm going to try and find who's marketing the film and see if I can start a conversation about making a t-shirt yeah. as part of the marketing campaign. So that's the norm more so now. And um, yeah, I wouldn't release a new t-shirt without having it approved by by the person themselves. But the foundation level of names um, that weren't approved because we were just doing it for fun. I'm pretty sure most of the people know about them and I've never had any issues and they're all quite chill. Good. Yeah. So you've not had anyone be like, no, you may not use my name on this shirt. Um, have I? I had one no. And then they came back and said, yes, please do. <laughs> Why? <Wise. laughs> yeah. They were like, what the fuck am I doing? Of course you could put my name on a shirt. <laughs> um, I really wanted to talk to you about Greta Gerwig because I'm a massive Greta fan. I'm from Sacramento. Lady Bird. Oh, man. I just had so many feelings about Lady Bird because that was set in the same year that I graduated from high school as well. So it was just like, there's just so many feelings, right? Did you feel very seen? I Oh, my God. The most seen I've yeah. ever felt, I think, from from a film. Tell Tell us what happened when you got a call that they were doing a photo shoot with Greta and wanted some t-shirts. What happened there? Oh, it was like five o'clock on a Tuesday evening or something. And I was probably wearing jogging bottoms at that point. <laughs> <laughs> it was when I was running the company from my parents' attic room still, um, which, was my, which was my childhood bedroom. And I'd maybe done like a day of packing orders and taking it to the local post office. And I got this email from Stylist Magazine. I was like... Oh, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah. And um, basically they just said that we're doing this cover shoot with Greta. Can you get some T-shirts to Claridge's for the next day? <laughs> sure. And, um, luckily I was going into London that day anyway. And I was like, sure. Yep. Try to sound as professional as. Yeah, of course. Thought. Yeah, I'll just drop them by Claridge. Um, I'll be going past there anyway. No one teaches you how to reply to these emails. No. The right kind of language to use. Yeah. Henceforth, I will. <laughs> <laughs> to whom it may concern. Um, so I packed up, I think I took like one of every name. Yeah. Iron them all. <laughs> yeah. So lame. Of course, they're going to have their own steamer. It's a cover no, shoot. But you don't want to give Greta a heap of t-shirts. Yeah. So I, I think I borrowed my dad's suitcase that was new. It's like, this looks cool. So I wrapped them all in tissue paper. I went to bed. It was like Christmas Eve. I woke yeah. up and I got on the train with my suitcase of T-shirts and I arrived at Claridge's. I was like, maybe they will let me stay and watch. Um, maybe I can meet her. And I felt so out of place. And I had this wheelie suitcase. I got shown to the room that they were going to turn into the the shoot room. Yeah. And uh, the person I'd spoken to from Stylist turned up. And we had a brief conversation and she said, you know, basically don't get your hopes up. It might not. I mean, she's got loads of clothes. She might not wear this particular item. So I was like, that's fine. And I'm right that Greta did end up wearing one of your shirts in the shoot for Stylist Magazine, didn't she? Yes. I saw, I think I'm, I sort of went away from that day and I thought I'm just going to forget about it because if I'm waiting to hear from them, I'm very much someone who thinks I'm able to jinx stuff. <laughs> yes. But 
yeah, she did actually wear the t-shirt. She wore the Agnes Varda t-shirt. Um, it was probably the most surreal. I got sent the PDF version of the pages. And um, I've told this story before in a podcast, but at the time, my grandmother is very poorly and she was coming to the end of her life. So I was spending a, a lot of time in the hospital with her. Um, very tricky when you work basically for yourself and there's no one else to yes. you know, hand, hand the stuff over. Yeah you've not got like any holiday cover or sit cover or anything. So I try and balance keeping the business going with being able to spend as much time with her as possible. When I got the, this email of the PDF, when I was basically sitting at her bedside and she wasn't conscious at that time, but she was always very like her dream was to have had someone in the family have their own business. So I, I know that she would have been, she would have been thrilled. And yeah, that was, that's a moment that sticks out to me as being very important as it mingled so closely with something that's very 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 personal in my life I sort of can't separate the two I'm uh, sorry I just like massively yeah. teared up that's so yeah. lovely yeah that's so I'm gonna lovely. tear up now as well <laughs> um no but she knew she she yeah. must have she, yeah. she would have known she knows yeah. yeah and that's you know the magic of Greta as well <laughs> yeah yeah. She kind of she was the first shirt, right? Because you it was the Lou Reed t-shirt in 20th Century Women that kind of inspired that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What is it about her and her work that are you do you feel particularly drawn to? I think I was a fan of hers before she was a household name, before mm-hmm. she had directed, you know, soul directed her own films. But I think what draws me to her work is she's so good at finding the specifics of female experience that make it universal yeah and it's always surprising and it's always tender I think she's the kind of filmmaker who creates work and I think oh I wish I'd thought of that I wish that had come out of my brain that's the kind of work I would like to make if I was a filmmaker so do you ever want to make films yourself I don't know if I have that in me I I don't think I have the brain of a director I don't see and understand the world in frames I imagine that's what directors do I think about it sometimes like wouldn't that be cool and then there's just it's just so much detail that I'm like I'm out no thanks yeah I think maybe I could write I mean I Mm. haven't written for a long 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 time I feel like that doesn't mean muscle is but that muscle needs to get it does but then you just start I didn't yeah. write for a very long time. And then I like shout out a 90,000 page <laughs> book. Like it's, I think, cause I talked to um, Rebecca Vincent, the tattoo artist about this. There's that myth that artists and writers are just like, I just can't help it. I just wake up and I'm just, oh, all these words are just flowing out of my fingers. And that's not necessarily how it works for everybody. So I can, I feel like you could absolutely write. I feel like the people who say, oh, you know, I can't not write and I can't not paint. It's part of just saying, oh, that's so annoying. (laughs) (laughs) It's really hard. Like, I want the artist to be like, yeah, I I woke up and I just like wanted to watch TV for 12 hours. I (laughs) couldn't get anything done. (laughs) <laughs> yes, exactly. No, I think there's my one of my favorite quotes. Uh, I went to a talk of Elizabeth Gilbert, and someone asked her about like her creativity and like um, her days. How do they start? And she's like, "Well, the first thing I think of when I open my eyes in the morning is 
oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> so true it's like oh when can here I go, go back to bed yeah yeah here we go gotta deal with the panic and managing your mental health all day and then somehow create some shit on top of that which yeah, is hard exactly. I, I mean it's it's yeah the myth that creativity is some sort of magical altered state where someone goes into a trance and creates this masterpiece whereas actually it's just a lot of just days of trucking along and I think a lot of business folk like to refer that as um either deep work or flow and I think you can which is like okay but like (laughs) I I think you can get those moments yeah but that happens for a short period of time and that's like maybe five percent of a project and the rest of it is just panic and crying and 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 toiling away but the problem is like when you're in that wonderful magic state then my brain does something really annoying and it's like wow you're in this magic state and then I lose it (laughs) you go oh it's over Uh, you're shit (laughs) yeah exactly exactly no but I would I would love to get back to writing. I always saw myself as someone who would write short stories for a living. I know, I'm, I mean, who does that? But some people do. I mean, what a, what a dream. But yeah, I need to find a way of making myself have more time that I can dedicate to stuff that I just want to do for fun. Or you could just find 10 minutes yeah. and just see what happens in 10 minutes and go, okay. I might and just then... have a nap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you could nap. Um, what has, I mean, obviously 2020 has been absolutely shit for everybody, but what has this year been like for you running a business, particularly when the kind of industry that your community is a part of has had a really, really tough year with cinema shutting down. I don't know what films were actually made and even like really good TV series like glow have been canceled. Like, what is that? What has this been like for you? It's been a massive learning curve, I think. Like, I can't believe we've got through it. It was weirdly comfortable in a way for me because it basically took all the normal things that would stress me out, like having to go and take meetings with people. It just took that off the table. It just sort of condensed the running of the business right down to the very teeny, tiniest, minute concentrated element of it and I just thought right okay I just have to do day to day I have to think I stopped thinking in terms of like two weeks time or two months time I just thought okay what has to happen today what has what has to happen tomorrow I wanted to find ways of connecting with people so I started writing a different kind of newsletter to our usual editorial contenty type one because I felt everyone was just craving connection. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it was a sort of a reset, really. And I thought, we're either going to sink or swim. There was also a feeling of anyone working in e-commerce, there was a feeling of, right, this is your time because everyone's at home and they're going to be shopping online. So, really, you can you can mine this this time that we're living in and, you know, like make loads of money from it, which I didn't like that thought at all because obviously there's a whole chain of people that it takes to actually get the t-shirt made to then get it to the customer so I think there was about two months where I didn't really sell any t-shirts which was scary but (laughs) 
Luckily, yeah, that must have been really yeah. scary. Luckily, the beginning of the year and the end of last year was quite good. So that sort of kept things ticking over. And obviously, because I don't have employees and it's just me, I could sort of batten down the hatches and think, as long as I can pay my rent, really, that's all that matters. Everyone's everyone's in the shit. I'm in less shit than someone else who, you know, has lost their job or is having to go out and work in hospitals. So, um, yeah, it was all about adapting to the situation. Um, so, as the name of this podcast is the heart of it, I was wondering, Louisa, what do you feel is at the heart of what it is that you do? I think community. Mm. I think that sounds really vague and a bit saccharine. No. But, I mean, I work alone, but I often feel that I'm not. I get all the benefits of being my own boss and also having colleagues from, you know, every different, I can just pick and choose. Yeah, and it feels like, no, I think community is lovely and it feels like, you know, Girls on Tops has a, it has a purpose. And it it embraces being a fangirl while, you know, promoting inclusivity and amplifying the the names of, of some of these women who you may I mean, I learn every time I go on the website. As I said, I'm not a I'm not a big film buff and I probably don't know a lot of the filmmakers, but I learn every time and I go, oh, and I've been I have been personally made aware of so many um, directors and filmmakers and actresses that I that I wasn't aware of before. So. Same for me. The same for me. I mean, I'm. I wouldn't consider myself. I didn't study film. I mean, I took a film class at college, but um, I'm definitely not a film buff at all. So I'm very much yeah learning as I go, as well, which is great. Does that feel intimidating? Oh yeah, because I definitely have not seen a lot of the. You know, I've never seen Citizen Kane. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I have seen that, but there are so many other things. I've never seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> I've never seen that either. I've only just seen Forrest Gump, and I, that was a revelation. It's like, this, oh this is the best movie I've ever seen. Oh, I remember when I watched that when I was quite young, and I, after the film was done, I went to bed and I cried more about it. <laughs> I thought, when am I ever going to be okay again? Like, this right. is honestly a life-altering experience. That's yeah, true. but I... Have, I'm not a film buff at all. It is intimidating when I have to talk to people who obviously know a lot more because they probably just expect they're like, oh yeah, it's this thing, blah 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 blah, and you're like, I just I just bullshit my way through it. I often think of myself or think of it in like narrative terms, like oh, it would make a much better narrative if I'd worked in film marketing for a few years and then started this company after that. Like narratively, I should have done this and this and this. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think in this country, what you were supposed to have done is to have been born into a family of filmmakers and then gone to Cambridge or Oxford and then studied there. And then, oops, I just fell into a job where I'm directing a film. But in reality, I was born into a family of artists. So I have that knowledge that, like, when you work in the arts, there's not really that much money to be made. (laughs) So, like, as long as you try your best... And you you make nice stuff. What does your family of artists think about what you do? Oh, my mum thinks it is amazing. She's like, oh, good. yes, my daughter runs her own business. They're very supportive. Obviously, they let me start the business in their in their house, 
and I didn't I did not pay them business rates so which they sometimes <laughs> no. <might good. laughs> yeah they sometimes like to remind me but um yeah my sister is an illustrator so she's her own brand and I've watched her she's um about five years older than I am so I've watched her forge her own path and work for herself and so I sort of I have a very good role model to follow I just have to apply it to a slightly different different medium yeah oh that's lovely that's really I'm glad that you have that um that support network that's really really important um what is next for for girls on tops so there are two new t-shirts coming out at the beginning of 2021 which some some exciting ones and then beyond that I have no idea like (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've ever made a strategy never really made a plan um it's been fine yeah just carry on doing the same stuff some different stuff hopefully be able to go to the cinema again one day yeah one day soon um I think it's interesting that you said that you don't have a necessarily a, a strategy or a plan and obviously that's thus far has worked out pretty well for you um there's obviously different aspects of the business that we were talking about the uh the the kind of editorial version of it where you have writers working for you um and creating content for you what are the kind of priorities do you think for for your business I don't want to come across as you know like oh I just accidentally have made a business because maybe (laughs) I think sometimes I can come across as that like I must know what I'm doing to a degree and I have to be better at at owning that um but in terms of my priorities for the business it's definitely I always want to focus as much as possible on readme so the editorial section where we um where we use money from the t-shirts to fund uh, young female and non-binary writers on film. Um, that's something that I'm always wanting to put more more of my resources into. Next year, I'd love to widen and diversify the names we're on the, that we're putting on the t-shirts. I think that's something that I'm always thinking about. And um, like it's not always as just as easy as printing a name on a t-shirt. Like I said earlier, it's there's a lot that goes yeah. on behind the scenes. But I'm always trying to do better and be better at representing as wider, wider group of people as possible. So I think those two things are um, my main priorities for the future going forward. Yeah, I think that's really important. What 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 you're doing and wanting to kind of flesh out that that side of the business. I mean, in terms of editorial, I really am learning as I go along. I don't have the experience at all, so it's very much picking the brains of people around me who have like I have no idea how I would monetize that side of things so I could make a more sort of efficient machine that can fund itself but maybe that's something that 2021 will see me get my teeth stuck into. Louisa Maycock thank you so much for joining us um where can our listeners find you or or Girls on Tops on on the internet? You can find Girls on Tops pretty much everywhere we're girls on tops tees you can find me if you would want to (laughs) on um instagram i'm at louisa florence and on twitter i'm louisa maycock wonderful thank you so much for joining us louisa thank you for having me i am such a fan of girls on tops and it was a huge pleasure to speak with louisa The story about being with her grandmother when she found out that Greta Gerwig was going to be wearing one of her t-shirts in a magazine was so lovely. 
I really appreciate Louise's honesty about what it's like to find yourself in a profession you didn't necessarily plan on, and the comfort we can find in the idea that most people are just figuring things out as they go along. A huge thank you to Louisa for joining us. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. And you can follow us on social media at Heart of It Podcast.